And this evening we're going to pick up in our series on faith and prayer and move forward. Now we're dealing with faith and how faith works. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. And faith is how we receive any good thing from God. Faith is how we're saved. It's how we're born again. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. So we're saved by faith. Faith is how we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you go to Galatians, as an example in Galatians, when Paul writes to the church at Galatians, says, look, you're trying to now earn things by works. He points out that they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not by works, not by keeping the law, but by faith. Someone can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. Someone could be in a service and depending on what's happening or what's being preached about, faith comes by hearing or the moving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can simply come upon someone. There are examples in the book of Acts, like at Cornelius's house in Acts chapter 10. And we can also pray and ask and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Luke's gospel, if we being evil know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more will our heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? But just as we're saved by faith, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. Faith is how we're healed. You know, we use that as an example Sunday when the Lord sent Ananias to pray over Saul and he had had an encounter with Christ along the road to Damascus. He had heard the voice of the Lord, was surrounded by bright light, fell off his horse. When he got up, he couldn't see. So the Lord sent Ananias to pray for Saul, who became Paul, and he said to him, receive your sight. But again, the Lord, the Bible says in the book of Acts that the Lord had already shown Saul that someone was going to come pray for him. And why did the Lord tell Saul that that was going to happen? So that when that man showed up, he would think, well, the Lord's already revealed this to me. Well, he had faith in his heart to receive. So we receive healing by faith. And faith is how we walk in the provision and the blessing of God. So what is the process of faith for the believer to receive healing or an answer to prayer or any good thing from God? What is the process of faith? Now, if, you, if this is something you need to meditate on or if this is something that you need to strengthen yourself on as we begin a new year, I would encourage you to go back to the 2018 Holy Week Revival on Mountain Moving Faith and to listen to or watch to meditate upon those messages because that week, Pastor dealt with this at length, the process of faith. Number one, we have to have faith in God, literally the God kind of faith. Beginning in Mark 11 and verse 22, Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. He literally said, have the God kind of faith. Paul wrote about that in Romans 4 and verse 17. I didn't give them the reference. Romans 4, 17 that our Heavenly Father, He calls things that be not as though they were. That's the God kind of faith. There's sickness and Father God, or in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus Christ says, be well. There, there's a need, or there is lack, or there is not enough. Our Heavenly Father, or in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus Christ says, for the need to be met, for there to be provision. Our Heavenly Father, He calls things that be not as though they were. That, that is faith. That is the God kind of faith. 
It's not faith to say what is. It's not faith to rehearse the problem. It's not faith to say, well, this doesn't look good, or this is more than I thought, or this is bad news. That is not faith. Faith, like our Heavenly Father, is calling things that be not as though they were according to the Word of God. So Jesus said, verse 22, have faith in God. Literally, the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever. Say, say I'm a whosoever. So this is for every believer. This is not just for the original 12. This is not just for those in full-time ministry. This is for every believer. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. You might say, Austin, I, I struggle with doubt, believing God in this area or in that area. How do I get doubt out of my life? We have to spend more time meditating on the Word of God and, and hearing the Word of God. You know, if we're, we're full of the things of this world, it's hard to be full of faith. And yes, there's a, there's a time and place to relax, to chill. There's a time and place for entertainment. But again, if you're having trouble believing God in a particular area of your life, you say, there's some doubt in my heart. Well, you've got to spend some time in the Word. You've got to spend some more time hearing the Word. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Say, say I, will I will have whatsoever, whatsoever I, say. I say. Now, th this happens in our lives over time. And we're... In the last days, I believe things are happening quicker, but part of learning how to walk by faith is realizing that these things happen over time. Some things are quicker than other things, but the point is that I will have whatsoever I say, whether it's this week, whether it's this month, whether it's this year, but over time, I'm going to have whatsoever I say. It's going to be a reality. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Say, I shall have them. I shall have. Now, Jesus is dealing with faith, and here we see in this passage, he's dealing with prayer. He's also dealing with confession. And so we have to have first, the process of faith is having first the God kind of faith, calling things that be not as though they were. And this requires that you speak to the mountain, not that you complain about the mountain or state the obvious, that, that, that's not helpful. And again, you gotta go to Matthew 6 and renew your mind to the word of God. Jesus said, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Fear and worry are contrary to faith. Now we, we don't stick our head in the sand, we don't ignore the situation, we don't ignore the problem, we don't ignore the need, whatever it is. You know, how, how can we be in faith and believe God if we don't know what the problem is? We don't know what the situation is, but don't complain about the mountain. Don't, don't rehearse the mountain. Don't take ownership of the mountain. And when I was a little guy in children's church, the example they would always use is the, the delivery driver showing up to the house and having a, having a package. And if it was a box full of rattlesnakes, you wouldn't sign for it, would you? But it's amazing how God's people can be so negative. And again, I've heard my father say, and I'm in agreement, we're not the, the faith police. 
You know, I, I hear people say things, negative things, and I, I do my best to hold my tongue. You know, my sickness, my this, my condition. You got to get all of that negative talk out of your life. Amen. It, to say it's yours, you're, you've signed for it, you've accepted it, you're rehearsing that it belongs to you. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's not mine. It's Satan's. And I don't want it. I'm not signing for it. I'm not accepting it. So don't complain about the problem. Don't rehearse the problem. And don't sign for the problem. Don't take ownership of the mountain, whatever it is. You know, your, your father, your grandfather may have had this or that condition. That doesn't mean you're going to have this or that condition. It means that in the wisdom and stewardship of God, maybe you ought to do some things, taking care of yourself, your father and grandfather didn't. But it's amazing. People say, my this, my that, my condition. You got to eliminate all that negative talk out of your mouth. And again, we're here at Faith Christian Center. We're in a faith-filled environment where there's an emphasis on saying what the Word of God says but it's still amazing how someone can be in a positive environment like this five years, 10 years, and sometimes that negativity will pop out. And that's why if you know, you're married, husbands and wives help each other. That's why in children's church when we were little, they would encourage us to uh, positively and respectfully help our parents. You've heard my father say that you know, sometimes he and my mom would be talking. You know, I remember when they would spell out words as if we didn't know what they were saying. Jessica and I don't bother because they, 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 they know. You know, Julia in her room, she insists, you know, she's got a routine. She wants Sophie to read a story to her. She then wants Jessica to do this or that. She wants to play a game of checkers with me. She has to win. She insists on winning. And then she insists on all the little books she has in her class. She insists on reading several of those every night. So, you know, even if we tried spelling something out, well, Julia would know what we were saying. We, we would, you've heard my father rehearse how sometimes we would say, well, is that what you want? So we're not the, the faith police, but we also ought to exhort and encourage one another positively to say what the word says, to not be negative, to not take ownership of the mountain, whatever it is. So having faith in God requires that we say, we speak, that we speak to the mountain, whether you're confessing, Got to say it. Whether you're praying, got to say it. Having faith in God also requires that we believe we receive the things that we say. Whether you're just confessing or whether you're saying and you're praying, you got to believe that you receive. If you don't believe you receive, then what are you doing? If you don't believe you receive, why are you wasting your time praying? If we're going to confess, we ought to do it in faith. If we're going to pray, we ought to do it in faith. So the God kind of faith requires that we believe we receive. And if you spend some time going back and listening to or watching those 2018 messages on mountain moving faith, you'll hear pastors say that faith will work by praying. Faith will also work by saying. But when you pray, you still have to say it. Our words have power. Our words have authority. And so when you hear people be, they're negative, their words have power. And like the rudder on a ship, 
as James tells us about in his epistle, they are setting the course and the direction of their life. Well, things just couldn't get any worse this year. They are setting the course and the direction of their, their life. Every time I turn around, I get sick. They, they are setting the course and they are setting the direction of their life. And they're, they're giving the enemy permission to line up some person to go sneeze on them at the grocery store, whatever it is. So, you know, James talks about the tongue in a negative sense, a world of evil set on fire by hell itself. We can turn that around and realize that, yes, the tongue has great power in the negative. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But we can flip that around. What we say has great power in the positive. This is going to be a great year. This is going to be my best year ever. This is going to be our family's best year ever. This is going to be our, you know, where you work, your, your company's best year ever. Amen? That yeah, we're strong, we're, we're healthy. You know, sometimes our children will complain about this or that, this sniffle, and I'll say, you're fine. Nothing wrong with you. Blow your nose, take a shower, get over it. But then you sometimes hear kids talk, and you can tell they're in an environment where you know, they're getting tested for every little thing. And they're being coddled about every little thing. So you set the direction of your life by your mouth and by your confession. And this is why confession is so important. We also have faith in God by when we pray, believing we receive in the now, in the present tense. By believing we receive in the now when we pray. And that's verse 24. What things soever you desire when you pray. Say, when I pray. So again, if we're, we're going to pray, and I always use the example of early morning prayer. You know, why, why pray in the morning? Well, there were times Jesus went off by himself and prayed early in the morning. David in the Psalms talked about getting up early in the morning and praying. You know, it's, it's a good thing to pray before you start the day. Amen? Amen? Now, there's nothing wrong with your break at work, spending time in the Word and praying or praying on the commute. And I know there are men and women in the church, and you, you work at night, so you have to do what works for you, amen? But when you pray, if we're going to pray, we ought to pray in faith, amen? amen. When you pray, if we're going to pray, we ought to pray in faith and be positive. We ought to pray in faith and be positive and say what the Word says. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. So when you pray, Believe you receive in the now. And we believe we receive until we receive the physical manifestation of whatever it is. And that's faith. Second, never give the devil an inch. When you're attacked, when there are negative circumstances, when you're attacked by symptoms, immediately rebuke Satan and drive him out. And a verse that we've given you for this is Ephesians 4 and verse 27. Don't permit Satan to squat in any area of your life. You know, it's sad to see what's going on in the big cities of our nations. And you know, there was a viral story, video clip this week, guy in San Francisco, you know, he's trying to keep the street clean by his business so people can come to and from, conduct business, and uh, he did not handle the situation gracefully. So, of course, the video clip of that went viral. Uh, you know, I'm sure that'll... I'm sure it's negatively affected him. I'm sure it'll affect his business. 
But anyone that works hard or has a business, you, you understand that these are serious frustrations. And in these liberal cities, the local leadership is no help. Amen. Amen. And so in our lives, we can't permit or allow the enemy to squat. Ephesians 4 and verse 27, neither give place to the devil. And the word in the Greek is topos, which is where we get the word topography. So Paul is telling us, don't give the enemy any geographic territory. And pastor has rehearsed to us that when we immediately go to war, when we immediately fight the good fight of faith, it's easy to get the victory. It's easier to drive him out than if we allow or permit Satan to squat and to set up an encampment. You know, in the last few years, I think it was Seattle, you know, a bunch of young people got together and set up an encampment. You, once you allow that, you got a problem. And the problem on day 30 is much more difficult to deal with than the problem on day one. So it's better to immediately go to war. It's better to immediately begin fighting the good fight of faith. It's better to immediately begin driving the enemy out. You know, we're all gifted in different ways. You know, children are gifted in different ways. Ch children, in a family of several children, they, they, they all excel in different things. They all excel in some subjects more than others. Well, if a child needs help in math, you don't wait till the ninth grade to help them out. Amen. Fixing the problem in ninth or tenth grade is a whole lot more difficult than fixing the problem in first grade. Yes. I, I mentioned reading. I mentioned Julia. If a, if a child needs some help with their reading, you, you work on that when they're little. You, you don't wait till they're 20. Amen. By that point, they've got to have some of their own initiative to fix the issue. It is easier and is more effective to immediately begin fighting the good fight of faith. So we're to have faith in God. We're not to give the enemy a place. We're to immediately go to war and drive him out. And then number three, we're to walk by faith. We're to walk by the word, not by what we can see, not by the circumstances. We're to walk by the word, not by our five senses, what we can see, taste, touch, feel, or hear. You know, it's wonderful when it's in prayer or worship or service and we feel the presence of God. But we're not to walk by that. We're to walk by the Word of God. If you say, man, Austin, I'm going to get up early tomorrow to pray, you might not feel anything. You might need some extra coffee to get up and pray before you go to work. We're to walk by the Word. And according to Mark 11, when we're making our confession of faith, or when we've prayed, believing we receive, and from that point forward, we believe we receive, you got to walk by the word. You got to walk by the fact that you know that Jesus said, what things, sir, we desire when we pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So I believed I received when I pray. I have it. It's mine. And even though the money has not yet come in yet above and beyond, or maybe even though I still physically feel crummy. Whatever the situation is, I have the victory. I have the answer. The answer is on the way. See, that is faith. We're to walk by faith. We're to walk by the word, not by what we can see and not by the circumstances. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, you've heard Pastor share how he mastered this with money 
after hearing Fred Price in 1988 and after the Lord rebuked him on not saving money in 1989. I've heard him tell this story. He was at 5 a.m. prayer, and again, that was after market crash, recession in the country, and so that had, that had affected everything. And even though he shared in those early years, you know, people in the church, they were just getting started in life. So they weren't really affected by the stock market, what it was doing, but they were affected by the general recession. So it was week to week. We've heard him share the, the time that on a Monday, I think a Monday after church Sunday, they found an offering envelope in the, on the sound booth. And they, they were excited that, you know, there's an extra offering envelope. You know, we can pick someone to pay on that list of bills. So it, it was tight in those years. And you've heard him rehearse how at prayer he was complaining to the Lord about not having money. And the Lord told him, the reason you don't have any money is because you never save any money. The Lord told him, it's a sin to spend more than you take in, which makes your government the biggest sinner of them all. And that, that was in 1989. Imagine that, imagine that today. And the Lord told him to save something every seven days, even if it's just $5. And the Lord told him to save something in the church, the ministry, every seven days, and to save something personally every seven days. And so they, they stepped out in faith and began began taking action on that. And my father has rehearsed to me several times this year in emails, text messages, that the decision, the obedience to God to save money at that point has made everything possible ever since. Now, he's always rehearsing to me, the reason we can do this, the reason we can do that is because I, I not only heard the Lord, but I obeyed the Lord and did what the Lord said do. And again, we, we have to watch ourselves because we have the tendency to not do what the word says, to not take the action we know we need to take, to just keep doing what we're doing, then there's an emergency and then what we want to do is we want to do something what we perceive to be spiritual to fix it. The problem is over time our Heavenly Father expects us to grow up and to mature. So if you want hands laid upon you to circumvent you disobeying God in this area or in that area, that's not faith, and he's not going to honor it. So if you have areas of your life where you're disobeying what the word says, and there's an emergency, and you think you're going to skip it, you're going to fix the problem by skipping a few meals, you have wrongly misunderstood how things work in the kingdom of God. Skipping meals isn't going to fix the fact that you're not a tither, and you're not honoring God with what crosses your hands. So people, they'll, they'll head down the road of disobedience, they'll get jammed up, and then they'll, they'll want to do this or that that they perceive to be spiritual to circumvent them being obedient. The easier thing is to obey God. See, when the Lord gave Joseph a plan for Egypt, which was to set aside 20% in the fat years for the lean years that were ahead, what if Joseph hadn't done that? Would they have had plenty or would they have done without? What if Joseph said, well, we'll fix it. We're just going to lay hands on everybody. Would that have been the answer? The answer is to do what the Lord says do. The answer is to be a doer of the word of God. Now, why has pastor encouraged us to exercise our faith with money? Well, it's non-fatal. Believing God regarding money is not like believing God regarding health. And again, 
too many believers, they're just, they're just coasting along, doing what they're doing. But then when there's a serious need or a serious problem or a serious health challenge, they want to learn how faith works. Better to learn how faith works in the everyday matters of life. And a great way to do that is with money or with finances. And, I, and I'm going to give some examples. Now, to tell your neighbor, say, don't be offended. Tell your other neighbor, say, don't be offended. You know, this past Sunday morning at 11 a.m. when got to the part of the message about El Shaddai, our Heavenly Father not only wants us to have enough, but more than enough. I told an old story. Most of you may, may not know this one. And I told the story of how when, you know, I was younger, maybe junior high age, I remember, this would have been early 90s, I remember how when my father liked something, like a particular pair of shoes, maybe because they were comfortable or whatever, he would get extra. Well, just saying that, that, that offended someone. And a couple people got up and left the service. Now, I didn't mention how many. <laughs> Jessica's over there wondering if I'm going I'm to say how many. I didn't even mention the brand. Now, there, there are a lot of men here tonight. And if you work at a company that requires, like, business casual, if I mentioned the brand, you wouldn't even blink an eye. Blink an eye. You'd think, oh, that, yeah, that's, that's no big deal. You know, when it, maybe about 10 years ago, one of the brand of dress shoes I like, they had a partnership with a uh, tennis shoe company. And so they were doing dress shoes, but the, so the soles of the shoe were done like sneakers with the gel air pockets. I'm telling you, they were the most wonderful dress shoes that have ever been invented. You know what? And I, I, wasn't, a, I wasn't taking action the way I should have been because I should have imitated my father I should have gotten me a few extra pair. In black, brown, I'd be good to go. Amen? <laughs> the point is, our Heavenly Father doesn't just want us to have enough. He wants us to have more than enough. And think about it. If, if I can't believe, you know, just, I, and then after that, I, I shared how Jessica had to get new shoes for Emily and for Julia. You know, it's hard to go to the store and find what you need anymore. So a lot, she has to order online. But she got... She wasn't sure what size, so she got two sizes for each of them. The smaller sizes work. She said, well, what do I do with the, the next size up? Do I, do I take the effort to return them or keep them? I said, well, in a month or two, they're going to need the next size. They're nice looking. Might as well keep them. Look, that should not be offensive. When you get on Facebook and everybody's posting memes about there not being enough eggs or eggs being expensive. Now, I'm, I'm serious. If we're going to make it, we have to learn how to walk in the abundance and provision of Almighty God. So whatever maybe religious prejudices you have from childhood or upbringing or a particular denomination, you're going to have to take all that and set it aside and have the attitude, I want, to, I want the best that my Heavenly Father has for me. I not only want my needs to be met, I want to have not just enough, I want to have more than enough. So why not believe God for a certain amount of money to come in above and beyond, monthly and yearly, as a practice, as an exercise of faith? You know, and you, you can't start at $10,000. You got to start somewhere. Why not believe God for an extra $100 to come in every month, $1,200 a year? Get that under your belt. Why not believe God for an extra $200 to come in above and beyond every month, an extra $2,400 every year? You see where I'm going with this? Why not? 
You might say, well, Austin, you know, what if it doesn't come by January 31st? You're still alive. You're still breathing. You can come to church in February and still learn how to grow and develop and mature your faith. And so as a matter of course, Jessica and I believe God for a certain average amount of money to come in above and beyond extra every month, which means extra every year. And most of the time, by the end of the year, it has all come in, plus above and beyond that. And we have grown and we have developed our faith in that over time. It's just faith. And Jesus said, Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? You know, I think two Wednesdays ago, my, my father shared a story about him and my mom running an errand, driving through a coffee place, and he was just shocked by how much two coffees were. I, I leaned over and told Jessica, he needs to drive through with all of our kids <laughs> because then it's a cake pop for everybody in the back seat or a cake pop and a cookie or whatever it is. And see, right there, someone's thinking, oh, that's too much. That's once a year. Well, not if you believe for it above and beyond. Amen. Not if on your phone, on your app, you, you got so much gift card money, it doesn't matter. See, we, we all have roadblocks and prejudices from childhood and upbringing. What you have to do is set that aside and renew your mind to the Word of God. That our Heavenly Father is good, that He is wonderful, that he wants us to eat the good of the land, amen? amen. That when you go to the store and go to the, the egg aisle, that his best for you is not, well now, which, which of these eggs are the cheapest? Because the farm, you know, whatever they call it, the organic, free, free range chicken, and I don't even know what that means, like they're, they're just free. <laughs> Now, I know some people take this very seriously, so don't be offended. <laughs> he wants us to eat the good of the land, amen? amen. And so when, you, when you're there looking at the choices, he wants there to be the provision so you can get what you want. Amen. So you can feed your family what's good, amen? amen? And again, I know there are preferences on this, but he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord God, our provider. He is El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the God of more than enough. As a matter of faith and as a matter of discipline, anytime there is an extra expense, I always add that to the list of monies that we're believing God to come in above and beyond. Why should it cost me? Why should it cost our children? You might say, oh, Austin, that's crazy. Again, Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? So anytime we have an extra expense, an unexpected expense, something that we weren't planning for, anytime there's that bill, I always add that to the list of extra, we're believing God to come in above and beyond. Someone might say, that's crazy. I say, well, why not? Now, this past year, we, we faced a particular challenge and found out that something with our house should have been done a little bit differently, a little bit better. You know, we walked through getting a couple quotes, found out that to do what needed to be done would be about $14,000. Okay, you know, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to believe God or am I going to get negative? Am I going to believe God or tell everybody we're wearing the same clothes and the same shoes for the next 12 months? 
which, as any parent knows, does not work with little ones. You know, it just, I, I tried to help by getting everybody ready for church tonight. And Jessica came out, she said, Austin, there, there are holes in Emily's pants. And I was like, well, tonight's our last night to wear them because I thought we're dressed, we're ready to go. Nobody's changing at this point. Our Heavenly Father is wonderful. He wants to provide. So why not believe Him? You might say, well, what if the money doesn't come in the next month or two months? Stay in faith. Continue believing you receive. When we had a phenomenal miracle before the end of the year where more than half that expense was covered in a way I did not expect. And it was basically like a reimbursement for that expense. But it's extra above and beyond, so of course we tithe. But I told my parents, such a wonderful miracle. I'm going to give another 10% towards our outstanding challenge offering commitment because I know that's God. One way or another, it comes in. And as you believe God the Holy Spirit will give you action to take. Might give you ideas at work. Might give you ideas, your wife ideas for something on the side. You know, for us, our our time, our attention is devoted to Faith Christian Center and St. Paul's and our family. So for us, it's seed sowing. But he'll move upon your heart. He'll give you action to take. And so whatever we're believing God for, it's a small part of the harvest. So why not believe him? Why not be in faith? And when appropriate, we always believe God for sevenfold. And like that expense, $14,000, well, again, in real time, I didn't know something should have been done a little bit different. So not only am I going to believe God for the 14 to come in above and beyond, I'm going to believe God for sevenfold. Satan's going to have to cough it up. Satan's going to have to pay for it. And somebody might say, again, that's crazy. Again, Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? Proverbs 6.31 says, if a thief is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it cost him all the wealth of his house. So how do we do this? We dispatch the ministering spirits of God to go to work on our behalf, the angels of God, to cause, to orchestrate what we're believing God for to come in above and beyond. Hebrews 1 and verse 14 says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So see, you got to stop being the immature believer where you're, you know, you're just going from trouble to trouble to trouble and your angels are on full-time protection duty keeping you safe while you're trying to walk in darkness. And you got to come over here in the light and walk in truth and righteousness in the light. So yeah, they're, they're protecting us, but they got plenty of time to do other things on our behalf. So to dispatch the ministering spirits of God to go to work on your behalf to cause, to orchestrate what you're believing God for to come in extra above and beyond. Then you rebuke the enemy, the devourer. Satan, you take your hands off our house. You take your hands off our family. You take your hands off our monies. You take your hands off this amount of money that I'm believing for above and beyond to come in. You take your hands off. He's the enemy. He's the devourer. Malachi 3 Verse 11 tells us that the Lord has rebuked him, but we need to rebuke him too. Take your hands off. Take your hands off what is mine. And then thank the Lord and believe you receive the money is coming in, according to Mark 11, 24. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So on the first of the month, whatever is on my list, 
I dispatch the ministering spirits of God to go forth, the cause to orchestrate it to come in. I tell Satan to take his hands off. And then from that point forward, I'll, I'll just rehearse to the Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father. You're our source. You're our supply. And I thank you that this, this is coming in above and beyond in Jesus' name. I believe I receive this is coming in above and beyond in Jesus' name. And things will happen in the most unusual way. Blessings will come in the most unusual way. And whether it's January, February, March, by the end of the year, not only does it come in, but our Heavenly Father does exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that we can ask, think, or imagine. Amen. You have nothing to lose by believing our Heavenly Father. Amen. You have nothing to lose by stretching and growing and developing your faith and believing God. You can say also, the money is coming in in Jesus' name, or whatever the expense. Maybe you had a situation, an extra bill, $500, whatever it is. Say, the money is coming in in Jesus' name. Why don't we say, say, the money is coming in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. And look, don't, don't, don't be offended by my father buying a pair of backup shoes. Goodness. <laughs> or Jessica getting two pairs for Emily and for Julia. Goodness. You know, I come to these high school games and I see the fancy shoes the boys are wearing, and I think, man, these parents need great faith. <laughs> different, you know, different colors. I, hadn't, I didn't have anything like that. So if you see, see me wearing a pair of shoes, different colors, you'll know. Uh, I'm watching what's going on here. Amen? He wants us to have our needs, our desires, and plenty left over. You've heard me rehearse how when we moved in our, to our current home, we, we started to notice that, you know, somebody near us just had the habit, and whether just it was coincidence or purposeful, you know, I'm like my father. I like things to look neat, clean, tidy, but we'd come home or check the mail and there'd be a beer bottle on our property or a great big wine bottle on our property or a vodka bottle on our property. I'd, I, I would just think, well, I hope that's not somebody that used to come to church and, you know, they're... <laughs> but there was a point where, you know, it was a nuisance. You know, you come home, check the mail and you know, pick up a bottle and pick up a beer can. And so it was Jessica who said that well, we ought to believe God for every time that happens for an extra $1,000 to come in above and beyond. And you might think, man, that's nuts. That's out there. But again, Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? So her challenging me to believe God turned a negative into a positive. Because then when I would drive home and see two bear cans, I would think, praise the Lord. That's an extra... <laughs> $2,000 that needs to come in above and beyond. And then I would also make it a matter of prayer. You know, Lord, whoever that is, whatever the situation, I thank you for them coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I thank you for them getting set free. I thank you for them getting plugged into a good church with a good pastor. Amen. I thank you for them coming out of darkness into light. And I, I believe that when you pray that way, our Heavenly Father, he loves it and he honors it. Why be frustrated? Why permit or allow the need? Why not believe God and exercise your faith? Too many believers want to coast along and not use their own faith or learn how faith works and then have false expectations. And then when trouble comes, 
They want someone else to pray for them or someone else to lay hands on them or someone else to anoint them with oil. Or as I said, there's this area of disobedience, and so what they want to do is, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast a few days to fix this area of disobedience. Fasting a few days doesn't change the fact that there is an area of your life where you have chosen to purposely disobey the Word of God. And fasting, skipping some meals, having hands laid upon you is not going to fix that. To get the victory, you're going to have to do what the Word says do. You're going to have to take action and obey God. And the, here's the issue. After you get saved, our Heavenly Father expects us to grow up and to mature. He expects us to develop our own faith. And again, yes, we should exercise our faith when there are these little health things. And again, we're not telling anybody what to do or what not to do. But instead of taking an Advil, why not make it a matter of prayer? Why not believe God? And then you have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He loves it. He's trying to help us. Maybe you shouldn't have that 25th cup of coffee. You know, there are days I might have a headache, but I know it's because I've had a whole bunch of coffee and have not had breakfast or lunch. He's always trying to help us. You know, before, before church, I had some salad and Jessica made pizza for the kids. And I thought, I'll just have a little bit of that. And then I was going to go get my clothes set out for church. And a still small voice said, you should wash your hands before you start pulling clothes out. And I thought, nah, I'm good. And I literally pulled a white shirt out and looked at it and thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> there, there's evidence of pizza now on that collar. And now I'm going to have to ask Jessica to hopefully fix that. He, he loves us. He is trying to help us. But we have to listen. We have to cooperate. We have to grow up. We have to mature. We have to learn how to walk by the word and then by the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pause there, pick up there next Wednesday evening. I hope tonight was blessing to you.